Happy New Year and welcome to another episode of Ordinary Old Catholic Me. It's nice to be your own producer and quote talent of a podcast because I am once again postponing part two of my thoughts about the play and television production of Brand about a very, very strong-willed and uncompromising minister for a recognition of the second part of the Christmas season, the New Year. As I was thinking about this episode, I was making some coffee and looking out my kitchen window. It was raining as it had been for the last five or six days. Sorely needed, indeed, but typical of the climate of California, where there is nary a drought for years, there comes a torrent. Alas, not captured by the government and cisterns that ancient peoples knew of, but yet in modern times will mean mandates, oh, mandates, on water use, along with the variety of other mandates that the governments crave. But I digress. I was watching the drops, making staccato indentations in the birdbath fountain, and the bigger ones coming from a crack in the edge of our building's roof, which I have dutifully reported to our HOA management company. And I thought, quote, well, 2021 ends. And then a sigh, as 2022 feels like it's an entry into much of the same, a trampled page on arrival. It kind of amuses me in a black humor sort of way that the media, it's still having its televised presentations and Happy New Year's are echoed among the populace while some advise against large gatherings which at this point, given the constant drumbeat of contagion, means more than one person in a room. I have just come out of quarantine. I wanted to get a retest and you'd be surprised how hard it was to get one with appointments being required at the other end of town after scaring the you-know-what out of us. By the way, I heard that the cloth mask, which in my part of town is the one most approved by public health, such that in the early days I was told my alternative mask was insufficient, is now being reconsidered as possibly not very useful. Well, I got my retest, and I was negative, so both tests I had at the fifth day and at the end of my quarantine were negative, so apparently my exposure was not in any way one in which I became sick or otherwise infected. That was a good thing. For me, anyway, getting into this new year is both a fight and a dread. In the last few years, as life and people have moved on, official celebrations among my friends have become sporadic. But even at my most gloomy, I always had the feeling that as midnight of the 31st struck, I was moving into a fresh new page, a chance to do better amid a social context and a religious one that was also, at least for a week or more, was part of a fresh new book. It wasn't entirely reality, I knew, for history marches on, personal, national, and international, and it moves on unabated by the change of a day, but the illusion was possible to hold on to for a little while. But this year, for me anyway, the illusion felt illusory. I find myself, I found myself trying not to be, but in fact, rather angry at the Lord 
wanting to argue with him for letting us get so far downhill as a society, divided secularly and religiously, and leaving me here to navigate it all. This stuff was what happened in other places, authoritarian places, without fundamental foundations of the rights of man. I know, he lets us exert that free will that I'll get back to talking about maybe finally next week, the free will to do his will. People say, well, that's not allowing us to be free, but we don't get it. We are free indeed to choose what he made good and what we, with the help of the devil, have corrupted. Well, the devil, with our help, have corrupted. We are free to choose the good or not to choose the good. That's an ultimate freedom. Freedom, as our founders tried to tell us it, is costly. We have come to think it's something not requiring our goodwill or our effort. In some ways, 2021 was, at least to me, worse than 2020. Everything has felt that it's pressing in around, like a lava flow about to catch up to me. I say me, not out of pride, but I guess I can't assume that everyone feels as I do, though I know many who do. And to us, it's all pretty dark, and I'm afraid even of the exercise of my own will and what I will choose. I am particularly afraid, as I notice my prayer life, never particularly uniform or persistent, has become even more sporadic. And when prayer occurs, I'm like a bee landing on a flower and moving along pretty quickly. I mean, it really isn't as bad as it's been for other people in history, even recent history, even, say, right now for the underground church members in China. But I am, as Piglet said to Pooh, a very small creature, and I find myself saying, How long, O oh Lord? And realizing, even as I say it, that while the end may well be near, it has always been near since Jesus' resurrection, near in all of history to now, with my life being a blip in the nearness of it. And near as it is, and always has been, I may not live to see it. It felt just as close to the disciples as it does to me, and that was 2,000 years ago, which of course, in the timelessness of God, is no time at all. But going into 2022 has to have been inevitable, unless, of course, one kicked the proverbial bucket and has already gone to private judgment with the Lord. But if you're still here, at least for me, it has felt like a slog through quicksand. And perhaps much like the Israelites, no, I'm pretty sure, very much like the Israelites in the desert, I find myself murmuring, whining, basically, challenging God indirectly, perhaps, sometimes a little bit too directly, as if he has no idea what he's doing and demanding that he do what makes me feel better. This COVID era has been close to a straw that breaks this camel's back. Not the reality of COVID, but the absolutely insane, to me, way that our representatives have led us. Let's just say that none seem to be anything like Moses, that has been true for years. We don't have the kinds of representatives in our government that James Madison proposed, enlightened and without agenda, except for the good of the people led. But chaos seems to be more visible than ever. I mentioned this to a priest friend, and I mentioned that I rather like the view of our Jewish brethren, or the feeling that they have historically that it's okay, in somewhat required to argue with God, to wrestle with him. 
My priest friend said that this is one reason it's good to look at the Psalms. Among my failings as a perfunctory prayer is that I have rarely spent time with the Psalms. So I pulled out one of my Bibles. I have a whole lot of them. I have the St. James used by our separated brethren, the Anglicans and others, the Knox translation, which I didn't actually like, various Catholic study Bibles, a revised standard version. I went off to my revised standard version one or two recent nights, and I picked a few at random before going to bed. And I wondered why I had never resorted to them before. There were the complaints, not always the murmuring, which I say is usually like whiny and not particularly inspired and not really reasoned. But then, always, David found the way to praise him and to trust him. I think it was Psalm 56 I opened the page to the first night I prayed in my restless way. Have mercy on me, God, for I am treated harshly. Attackers press me all the day. Yes, many are my attackers. O Most High, when I am afraid, in you I place my trust. I trust in God. I do not fear. What can mere flesh do to me? All the day they foil my plans. Their every thought is of evil against me. They hide together in ambush. They watch my every step. They lie in wait for my life. They are evil. Watch them, God. Cast the nations down in your anger. My wanderings you have noted. Are my tears not stored in your flask, recorded in your book? My foes turn back when I call on you. This I know. God is on my side. I praise the word of the Lord. In God I trust. I do not fear. What can man do to me? I have made vows to you, God. With offerings I will fulfill them. For you have snatched me from death, kept my feet from stumbling, that I may walk before God in the light of the living. Oh, come on, you might say, attackers, foes. Yes, many of those who have had sway over your life and mine, to whom good motives used to be attributable, but it just seems less and less. Countries who are being pacified, who will not need to conquer by arms, but have already, it certainly seems, by insidious philosophies, embraced by those who seem unfamiliar with history or refuse to look at history and man's inevitable inhumanity to man. I was listening to the radio and hearing about inflation, about Putin, about China's leaders, about cloth masks, which were the gold standard just yesterday, becoming useless, but we were compelled to believe in them, about unrestrained violence in our cities, about the isolation of the healthy and the new understanding of what is a proper quarantine, simply cut in half and stating the obvious that people are not doing well in isolation. Perhaps it's true that humankind has always been under siege, the battle raging in heaven, raging here on earth, but you and I are living now, and my now will be looked back on, if there is a back to look on, as one of the worst times, it surely seems to me. But even if that's not correct, that my time is no worse than times before, it sure has felt bad enough and like trudging to some promised land always out there, but never in view. And so, like the Israelites, I have been murmuring indeed, expletives too often included, and then I tell the Lord I'm sorry that I will hold with his grace, and then I feel it is impossible. So, discovering the Psalms, a real source of promise. And then you know what happened? I forgot. 
I have this book. It was my father's long before he became a Catholic. It's not in very good condition. It's a first edition of a book on the Psalms and their meaning to the monk, mostly, and the church, called Bread in the Wilderness. It was published in 1953 and was written by the very famous Thomas Merton. The main bread in the wilderness, of course, is the Eucharist, literally the bread of life, Christ himself. But these Psalms constantly, in the Old Testament, point to him, to his coming, to the united nature of the old and the new, to the road that the Israelites traveled, and I am traveling, and you are traveling now. As I read a little bit of this book, that feeling of trudging through the desert suddenly got a little bit transformed in my thoughts, became not only a necessity, but in a paradoxical way, a gift. Let me read you a little bit from page 35 to 36 of this book by Thomas Merton. The writers of the New Testament everywhere assert that the Pascha Christi, the descent of the word of God into the world, his death on the cross, his resurrection and ascent into heaven, opening heaven to the sons of men, is fulfillment of the type which was the exodus of the Jews out of Egypt. Already the prophets of the Old Testament had seen in this exodus a prophecy of the return of the Jews from that other captivity in Babylon. The Christians themselves saw the return from Babylon to Jerusalem as a type of the Messianic kingdom, the establishment of the church. After all, was not Jerusalem destroyed and were not the Jews scattered to the ends of the earth? One might well argue in the same way that the church herself has always been subject to attack and is never too secure in this world. But the church herself looks ahead to a final and definitive fulfillment of the exodus when all the redeemed shall ascend in glory to heaven and time shall be no more. Meanwhile, we are passing through the desert and our way to the promised land. Now what is already fulfilled in Christ, in the church and in her sacraments, finds its realization in each individual soul who by the sacraments enters upon and lives the mystery of Christ, the Pascha Christi. Hence the spiritual interpretation of scripture discovers an evident continuity between the firstborn of the Jews spared by the exterminating angel because of the blood of the Paschal Lamb, Jesus, the firstborn of a new humanity, conquering death by his own blood, and finally, the Christian, marked by the blood of this true Lamb of God in the sacrament of baptism, which buries him in the death of Christ. The univocal character of grace in the old law and the new, since all grace and all sanctification come from Christ, guarantees an essential likeness between the experience of the chosen people in the desert, the experience of the prophets, who not only foretold Christ but prefigured him, the experience of Christ himself, and finally the experience of the saints mystically united to Christ. All these are the work of one spirit who reveals to us in scripture his pattern, his mode of action, and the fulfillment of his plan. In those who accept the word of the cross that is preached to them, the same Holy Spirit begins at once to work the mystery of the cross, the initial act of faith, which admits us, by grace, into the divine mysteries, foreshadowed and worked out in the scriptures, reproduces in us the death of Christ and his resurrection from the dead. 
even from the psychological viewpoint, the act of faith is like a passage through the Red Sea and a journey nourished by miraculous food through the blighted heart of a land without vegetation. When you read this or you listen to this, you see, I see, I really always say I'm talking to myself largely sometimes in this public program, you see how relevant the Psalms written before Christ became man are relevant to us now, to his presence now among us that we take so for granted in our murmurings, in my murmurings. Going back to Merton for a second, page 43 to 44, the Psalms are the songs of the city of God. They are, therefore, the voice of the mystical body of Christ. They are the songs of Christ. They are the songs of God in this world. Singing them, we become more fully incorporated into the mystery of God's action in human history. Pope Pius Twelfth emphasizes this traditional Catholic doctrine in his Mediator Dei. By assuming human nature, the divine word introduced into this exile a hymn which is sung in heaven for all eternity. He unites to himself the whole human race and with it sings this hymn of praise to God. I say all the time that so much of this podcast has moments of the providential. Here's an example, and I think it relates directly to this particular podcast, although I had no thought of it happening. Out of my quarantine and having had my negative test, I was able to do something I really wanted to do, which was go to Mass this morning, one, because it is the first of the new year. And while I'm having a hard time with the page, the new page, I wanted to do my best to honor God and to thank him for my presence in this new year. But also because one of our, well, he was a parishioner, but he wasn't Catholic. He was coming for years with his wife. He himself was Jewish and spent a long, long time discerning whether or not he was going to become Catholic. I've watched him from time to time and noted how, what's the word, reverent he has always been in our church, in our parish. And that reverence has always inspired me. And this coming from someone who is trying to decide whether or not to become part of our faith community. Officially, he's always been part of our faith community in terms of his presence there. He's always been a very full presence there, but he was not yet in full communion with the church. And so today, uh, at a celebrated mass, he was received into the Catholic Church, baptized, and then also confirmed and received his first Holy Communion. He received bread in the wilderness. And like Merton saying that in the Old and the New Testament, how God reveals his mode of action, that was something that I was seeing right in front of me, someone among us in whom God's mode of action was unfolding and somehow in a strange way uniting the old with the new, with the continuity, right in front of me was a reward, an oasis, if you will, in the desert, a reward for someone who endured, who has continued to work with the grace of God. I found myself smiling through the entirety of the Mass, looking at him and trying to see what he was seeing, something which 
was very different because I was just baptized into the faith when I wasn't conscious of anything. Here he is choosing to be part of the faith and choosing to endure with us passing through the desert on the way to the promised land. So what does God ask? What is he always asked? Trust in him. I've never been good at resolutions and I'm not going to make a resolution as such as 2021 has passed into 2022. I'm going to pray for a grace to do that which does not come naturally, to trust that if I, if we, endure this journey through a psychological, sometimes physical desert, I will find him opening his arms to me in heaven. And that's a hug I won't be afraid to reciprocate. So here's a final word, and it comes from Psalm 99. And I'm using the Douay Rems version of the Psalms, which I find really more beautiful poetically. Sing joyfully to God, all the earth. Serve ye the Lord with gladness. Come in before his presence with exceeding great joy. Know ye that the Lord, he is God. He made us and not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Go ye into his gates with praise, into his courts with hymns and give glory to him. Praise ye his name, for the Lord is sweet, his mercy endureth forever, and his truth to generation and generation. So, it's 2022. Let us go forward, let me go forward, with fewer murmurings and a lot more praise of God. Well, thank you for listening to another episode of Ordinary Old Catholic Me. If you find something in these episodes that you find useful, would you let other people know about this program? And maybe they'd enjoy it too, or find something useful in it. So, talk to you next week.